Every 11 seconds, there's a new ransomware attack. Oil pipelines, universities, corporations, all paying millions of dollars. Barracuda says, don't pay the ransom. Before a ransomware attack occurs, train your teams to recognize an attack and use anti-phishing technology. Protect your applications and they can't get onto your network. Simple backup and restore solutions quickly recover your data without paying the ransom. Build your ransomware protection plan now by visiting securityweekly.com forward slash barracuda. That's securityweekly.com forward slash barracuda. Welcome back, everyone, to Paul's Security Weekly. Hey, look, if you want to give us a guest suggestion, you can, of course, go to securityweekly.com forward slash guests and submit that. You can also find us on Discord. So you can go to securityweekly.com forward slash subscribe. There's a Discord server invite in there. You can join our Discord server. And there's also a channel on our Discord server for guest suggestions for those that don't really want to feel like filling out the form. If you think of something, you're like, oh, you should have this person on. You can just go to Discord and, and put that in there. Mr. Joff Thayer is here with us this evening. Joff, welcome. I thought of something on the Discord. You should have me on. <laughs> we should yeah. have an Ask. Anyway. You know, uh, I think it's Darknet Diaries has like an Ask Jack channel. Yeah. We should have like Ask individual hosts you can have like your own channel on our discord where anyone can ask you anything it's kind of like That's an right. ongoing never-ending ama no no guaranteed service contract on turnaround for the answer though correct because, correct you know, that's it's, one reason why i haven't added goes. that yet is I, what's what's the sla <laughs> yeah that's right the sla is gonna be whenever i could give a fuck which maybe never <laughs> <laughs> And now, you get the uh, opportunity to do it on an individual basis. When I give a fuck about your question, right. maybe never. When I think I just answer? generated traffic for Discord in that one statement alone. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, uh, uh, yeah, it's good to be here. Um, can um, can we do shameless promotions already? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> terrible. Are you te- what or, are you teaching or, now? Or shameful promotions, I mean. Or shameful <laughs> promotions. You know what? I've got another. Look, my, my favorite class ever is the regular expressions, your new lifestyle. It has turned into like a fanatical cult following favorite. I mean, it's amazing. This thing is, this is so much fun. So February 16th, uh, four hours. Come enjoy the show. And I have one other thing to say. And that is Wild West Hackenfest, assuming the world is able to unfuck itself. Oh, shit, I said fuck. Good, uh, good luck with that. Is probably going to happen in San Diego that first week of May. It's San uh, May Diego. 2nd through the, about the 7th there. So if anybody's interested in Wild West Hackenfest, way west, we're going to do it. We're coming to San Diego. It's going to be a hella of a good time. Uh, you should be there. San Diego's nice because it's outdoors. Yeah. Like, it's always 75 degrees and sunny in San Diego. Put those so you do a lot of things outdoors. Those, you, you know, I, I am... I am, know, right? Yeah. A, a, first of all, a natural optimist. So I am hoping that we have just a hell of a good throwdown party and that the world has totally un-you-know-what itself and, and things are just going to be raucously fun. That's but what I'm Jeff, hoping for. Your, your class is on February 16th? Yes, that's the next regular expressions class. And it's more than likely that I'm going to teach regular expressions again, a special extended edition at Wild West Hackenfest in San Diego 
I'm going to do a six hour, a full one day of regular expressions. Oh, just for see, fun. Well, okay. Now, now I'm not, now I'm not doing the February 16th one. <laughs> well, let's be clear. <laughs> right, right, At the Wild West Hacking February Fest 16th. class, I would put a challenge out there that perhaps the students of this class could give Joff a shot of whiskey or a beverage of his choice for every properly done regular expression. That's a lot of drinking. Yes, yes, yes. I will definitely I mean, take know, single malt. I'm, I'm a big fan of single malts. I wonder I how many regular to. expressions it takes to get to the center of a Joff pop. Mm. Ooh, wow. Challenge thrown. Look at that. <laughs> One, two. Yes. Pop. <laughs> three. <laughs> hey, how do you guys Man, feel? Uh, wait, 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 wait. I just got to say it's so good to see Larry. I haven't seen Larry in a while. So, Larry, love you, man. Virtual hugs. Virtual hugs. Love you too, Joff. Hey, Paul, can I do one quick uh, yes. one quick announcement? So I've got mine, and you know what it is. I told you in the pre-show, but um, uh, I have to do it. Uh, hi. Uh, Josh, is, pregnant. Josh oh. is pregnant. Congrats. Yeah. Oh, and it's your wife. It's well, my wife's pregnant. And, 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 so you, Janice, you said you, you Janice said you is have pregnant. To, you said you have to do it. It looks like you already did, my friend. Yes. <laughs> At least once. But hey, practice makes perfect. No, 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 no. Twice. I have another kid. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> So once thank at least you, recently, to... fairly recently, which is you know, uh, yeah, no, yeah, science you know, has worked out what causes that too. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so Josh Genesis is pregnant. Uh, congratulations. Mm -hmm. Who's the father? Thank you. Yeah. You know, I haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> <laughs> man, you opened yourself up. To you know, you don't ask too many questions, oh, man. Just I know. I know. Go I know. with it. Congratulations. It's wonderful. Care. Life is good. We're very happy. That's for you. awesome. Everybody's the healthy. Got one of those Jewish space lasers badges. You know. Hey, that made Josh laugh. That was good. <laughs> How do you guys right. feel about using Twitter to prioritize your security patching strategy? It's actually not a bad strategy. It's not a bad strategy. It is a legitimate. But I, I'm On curious. The surface, How do you it sounds ridiculous, right? It does. Yeah, like, like, it the does. Data. yeah, it does. But no, actually, no. But seriously, how many places do you get infosec threat intelligence from? And the answer is. Well, I have all these threat feeds that I pay tens of thousands of dollars for, and Twitter's about twice as accurate and zero cost. All it takes is a little time. Very fast. Hmm. And uh, mostly because someone will disclose the exploit and or how it's being weaponized on Twitter. And essentially, if you know how to mine that, you can mine it as a threat feed, essentially. Yeah, you hire an intern. Isn't that how you do it? <laughs> You have to be very careful, and you have to curate your Twitter list pretty pretty heavily. Yeah, you got to have to narrowed down very very tightly. But I can see how that could be a bad thing to. Yeah, I will have to. Uh, we'll have to talk after the show, Tyler, because I, I realized that my, one of my feed reader can aggregate Twitter feeds much better than it used to. So I, I you should probably do a webcast on how to curate a Twitter feed for that. Yeah, oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, I I can't read Twitter for more than two minutes, and then I got like. You know, five days worth of reading and tabs queued up in Chrome, and my laptop's crashing because Chrome is crashing. Yeah, not to mention all the rage. <laughs> that too. That's another excess of curation. You like you curate to to cut out the annoying people. You know. So do you just like start Twitter for like hashtag exploit, and if it's there, that's what you that's what you're patching. You no, can't go I, by ha you can't go by hashtag. You have to go by account, right? Yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty careful about what you counts and. Even then, like I have a few that do some really high quality things, and I'll turn off alerting, and then you know, scroll through some stuff on, on a different channel or, or a different persona. But 
Yeah, mine is mine is pretty clean. It's it's very accurate on what's going on and and the situational awareness of the Twitter verses. Yeah, uh, Ken, uh, founder Ed Bellis, uh, who we've had on the show in the past, uh, he's a great guy. Uh, he mentions Twitter surprisingly has a much better signal to noise ratio than CVSS. It says about two times better, and they, I mean, they've studied this, which I think is interesting. That's actually pretty funny, but sad. Uh, CVS has a lot of, there's a lot of factors in CV, CVSS, and when you look at Twitter, if you're like, well, if people are talking about it and is indicative that there is an exploit and it's actively being used, that probably is what you want to pay attention. You at least, you have to, do you have to pay attention to those? I mean, you should pay attention to those. Above and beyond, like, CVSS and all these different ways to wait and rank and uh, compensating controls and all the other, you know, factors that we've talked about. Like basically, if people if that's what people are using, like fix that first. Is it as simple as that? Maybe it is. TLDR. It's it's like CVSS and TLDR. Like, yeah. What is the problem? Yeah, see, like, why? See, what's everyone taking up? <laughs> I, I I think Tyler, you kind of nailed it, right? I mean, t Twitter to me is kind of like putting your finger out and to see which way the wind is blowing, right? Mm. It, it's that sort of trendometer, right? And and if if you've got the right set of network contacts, which most of us have you can see from an offensive or and or defensive perspective and of course they're both related exactly what's going on but that's deeper than uh, uh joe rogan once described social media and i'll never forget the quote because he was like facebook is where old people share their political views <laughs> instagram is where people <laughs> share pictures and he said twitter is a bunch of monkeys flinging poo <laughs> Accurate. That's not far, that's not far that's off. Not Wait, far what's off. TikTok? That's not far off. That is not far off. So, but, but, so what's no. TikTok? What's TikTok? Uh, people don't people sharing people posting videos. Yes. Thirst traps. Of course, well, Instagram has reels and sort of <laughs> crappy, Facebook. crappy porn. TikTok is crappy porn. Mm -hmm. Otherwise known as thirst traps. Russian and China disinformation videos. <laughs> mm. But you have to acknowledge that the way we curate twitter twitter right it's we're filtering out the the poo basically right yeah twitter is almost its own thing honestly if someone had a platform that was very similar to twitter and was just infosec focus like infosec oh, I'd be twitter very uh it's very curated as is and is very specific in a lot of niche areas that that overlap well so so if you were to pitch in, pitching to investors a drama free infosec twitter you, you might you might get some funding you think web 3.0 metaverse uh you gotta use all the buzzwords in there yeah yeah app app shit and, i've yeah. already drunk a lot streaming tonight. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah, we'd have to have Tyler's infosec twitter drink, in the metaverse man. in the metaverse in the metaverse backed by blockchain and we'll, we'll nft everybody's uh wallet so that you know their signature and verify every on, tweet on is an nft yeah and don't forget yeah. we're gonna throw oh. ai and ml in there too AIML curated NFT Twitter threat intelligence feed in the metaverse blockchain verified. in the metaverse uh, with an augmented reality game and oh wait uh, uh, stored on a blockchain uh, besides the NFT oh no no there's a coin with an initial coin offering initial coin. Of, you need a coin, you need a coin. With, I mean, uh, with the, a coin the, everyone's got a coin you need, you need your own the, coin the SW coin the SW coin I want to see. I want to see the pitch deck on that next week. <laughs> All right, so give, it. I give me five seconds. That. I'll have a copy paste on the white paper. I mean, a, 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 an there original white paper. <laughs> 
All God, right. you just reminded me of something I need to do. Next story. <laughs> Google Docs comments are being used to launch phishing attacks. Is this is this anything new? I or is this No It's not this new. new. Well, it's just interesting. Have you I mean have you guys used this on, on you know pen tests and such? hundred percent. So do you <laughs> do you have to have a document within that Google, I'm assuming you could probably do this with Office 365 or no? Office 365 would be a little bit different because you'd have to allow external uh, resources and or organizations as well as be able to tag that. So that organization would have to be added into external trust. So that's a big difference I find between G Suite and Office 365. Office 365 is a very much a walled garden. Um, And you have to go out of your way to unwall that garden with G Suite, it's a lot more loosey goosey and open. In other words, I can just go into any Google Doc on anyone's Google Drive, and I can at mention someone what by email address, and it'll send them a, a message with a link to that document. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep, and or a link to a resource external to that document. You can do both. It takes a little bit more effort to do the second one. So you can swap the link out, or is it a configuration setting? Yes. Both? Both. Interesting. So, so there has been, if I recall correctly, some interesting work into remote interrelated uh, macro behavior, if I recall correctly, between uh, Office 365 hosted documents. Uh, so there, there's some possibilities there. But they're they're within the walled garden. Within the walled garden, right? right. Yeah. A different different thread approach, different initial start, and yeah, the way Office three sixty five apps render the documents, it, it's not the traditional like you know OLE with an EXE calling that. Like it's a little bit different how those API calls end. Uh, we'll call them WebSocket docs interact because you can do like live editing yeah. and stuff so this is all WebSocket based mm-hmm. and the application and the way it loads the doc uh, format is not docx so it's very there's some interesting things there's like there's a little bit of research there to be done mm-hmm. but there are people looking at this very heavily right now uh it is interesting though because this notification gets to the end user in what is seemingly like a more trusted format because it's not it's not coming from the attacker, right? It's coming from the platform, and I'm more likely to trust that both in my technical uh, controls, but also in my user. I'm more likely to trust that because I didn't get an email from what is obviously like a spoofed, uh, you know, account and email and name and all that stuff. I'm getting an email from Google. Yeah, it's trust. It's a trusted source, and or you have the ability to manipulate the name. The name can be whatever you want. So you know you're leveraging someone's open source, you know, OSINT, yep, yep. and figuring out you know colleagues via LinkedIn, making the colleague's name with inside that. You know how how you do the pretext. You know there's multiple ways, but even something as simple as you know I'm not on my computer right now. Here's the the edits uh, from my personal account, and you can you can set up a, an entire Gmail account that even looks. Uh, very real with a good pretext on top of having the name and or having it come from trusted sources. So there's multiple See, my, ways. To my security that. awareness uh, training program didn't prepare me for this, Tyler. It just no, told me to look no. at the name and the email, and it came from Google. So I, why shouldn't I trust it? This is what's this, wrong this, with security awareness training. So this is this is like the unpopular view of 2022. We'll call it like mm-hmm. is security awareness training dead? 
probably not. Like we still need to train users. There's still things that they can help with. And, you know, they may catch the occasional thing that gets through. But if it's sophisticated enough to get by most of your EDR, most of your spam protection, uh, your end user is not equipped to deal with that. In fact, I would argue that, you know, even most of uh, us InfoSec people without a lot of evaluation or tools are not equipped to find that, see it, you know, hovering over a link does not fix uh, security now. Like the ability it, I'm gonna, to I'm going to push back a little yeah, bit. Because I think the issue uh, is if it, I got a notification about a document and Tyler's name was in there, I would message Tyler on Slack and be like, hey, dude, did you just share a document with me? Because I'm not clicking on that yet unless I check with you first. And I think that's the kind of training. It's not really security awareness need. training, right? It's process and procedures training that yeah. you it need is. to have for your employees. That's 100% correct. And that that is the difference. Process and procedures and the methods that people do validation or verification for, for sensitive things is the training that needs to happen. It doesn't need to be, there should be technology backing mm -hmm. users actions the behaviors users right. do there should be technology technology supporting things that protect them now behaviors and processes when you go to transfer funds or do an ach or mm -hmm. you get something that has a security alert you need to do a verification check via your process and security that's good training right there that fixes we'll call it 80 percent of things the josh, rest of it technology josh. should be handling yep josh so that's yeah that, that i mean that's what i was going to say I, I i did security awareness training for a, an old client that i've been doing for for years and i changed it a lot uh, over the last few years it's not you know i still do the hey look hover over a link yeah do, yeah, do yeah. some basic basic stuff but i do more of look let me tell you what's going on in the world let me tell you how you in your organization can help by doing these things if you're not sure, go ask. They don't mind that type of thing. Right. It's more about the process and procedure. It's more about the the perception and the 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 the, the understanding. Use your critical faculties. You know, it's not don't <laughs> click anything. If anything is clickable, don't touch it anymore. You know, we don't do that anymore. It's more along the lines of too, right. Like that's what's the that? big thing. That security buy-in from user awareness training, that, getting security's name out there, getting the culture changing, getting people on board with security so that your security team is not fighting against department heads, fighting against users. They understand what the onus is, providing them that personal realization of why this matters, and then getting that culture to shift because the end user is involved in security becomes a team at effort where that mindset shifts for both sides and you're not fighting the security battle because you guys all are on the same team that's where security awareness really has value if you can change that to that positive reinforcement and that positive uh, behavior around security awareness and your security team but also I actually think, you know, i do that hang on i got i got so i i actually in the security awareness training i did i actually did that by giving them examples of in their personal life where security mattered i talked to them about scams they're going to experience at home not necessarily at work. I also talk about how technology changes what we think of, uh, of the world and how it changes our world. My famous or my favorite example is how driverless cars are going to change their property taxes. They're like, what? And I'm like, well, driverless cars don't get speeding tickets. Most towns get a lot of revenue from speeding tickets. Where are they going to make the revenue shortfall up? And all, like the lights just go on behind the eyes. I'm like, so technology is going to change your life. If you understand technology and you're working with technology and you work with your security team, work with your IT team. If you build those relationships, it's going to be helpful. If you don't, you're going to be left behind and you're not going to know where to turn when you actually see something that's bad. So I, I 100% Tyler, I'm 100% on this, what you're saying. I just try to make it uh, sort of real to them and normal to them. It's not, it's not an alien concept. 
And uh, it works really, really well. Uh, every every company I've done that for over the years has reported incredible engagement from their employees with their security team and their IT team. Yeah, and I think that's important. And also I think that we have so many different ways in which we can communicate today. We should use that to our advantage. You know, the example I gave, so if I get an email with a link, can I verify that? You know, most of us that work for a company today have an email account. We can text message our employees and likely have some other kind of messaging platform, right? Whether that's Teams or Slack or whatever. We should use that to our advantage to be able to, you know, double check things before uh, you look into some kind of message. Personally, you know, Josh, that gets a little hard. I get a text message out of the blue that I need to go update something for my social security or whatever. Someone could fall for that scam because they can't just text an employee, right? But I think that's when I, we've always leaned on, well, I'm just going to, if I have an account there, I'm going to go use a different device and I'm going to go to that account and make sure it's valid or, or what have you, right? So we just, the checks and balances, I think is the most powerful tool that we have to combat, like Tyler said, maybe 80% of it because there's, now, an increasing uh, spotlight being shined on zero-click exploits, which is kind of interesting. Which, I mean, this just doesn't come down to... I mean, it does come down to patching, except when it doesn't, right? When this is a zero-day, zero-click exploit. It's a lot of zeros in there. But it's a zero-day, zero-click exploit. It's going to be kind of scary. Just using the application could get you popped. And I think a lot of us... <laughs> like, ah, yeah, that can't happen. And then we read the report from NS... You know, when someone wrote up the... I think it was Citizen Lab that wrote up the... Uh, and no, Google Project Zero, uh, you know, yep. published the report. I was, we were all like, oh, okay, that's a thing. A high level of effort, but that's a thing. And now we have one for Zoom, which is where I was segueing into. Yeah, and I, I think that's the next next iteration, right? All these SaaS platforms, we've been talking about this on the show for years now. SaaS and single sign-on are going to be the next big battleground where, you know, the breach is going to happen. You're not going to have anything inside of your environment that gets popped, but your Slack gets popped. And now all those conversations, sensitive docs shared, uh, interesting stats, you know, confidential things, all those things are getting shared. That SaaS application is the next battleground for you know, just getting credentials, which could just be a no-click exploit uh, from your mobile device that you allow uh, BYOD. Just, just target Electron, you'll be fine. Target what now? Electron. Electron. Yeah. Oh, Electron. Oh, good God. Because, I mean, 1Password's moving to Electron now, right? Uh, 1Password did, did, did move to Electron. They, they did it did. already. Yeah. Did they they get did. Bought? I think it took funding or got bought recently, too. thought I saw something on that. <sighs> Don't get me started on Electron. Did, it, <laughs> did anyone read the full write-up to the... Uh, so, Google Project Zero. Um, was it Natalie Slinovich? How do you say her name? Silvan Silvanovich Silvanovich did I get that right? I apologize, Natalie. Sil uh, Silvanovich Silvanovich. Thank you. Like I could, my brain just couldn't process that because I you suck at pronouncing things. That's you, why you have a brain. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it has some issues <clears throat> when it comes to pronouncing people's names, <laughs> among other things. Uh, I didn't read this full write up. Uh, I just saw bits and pieces. RTP processing. So I'm like, yep, that's probably really bad. Dragos made a comment on that. Dragos spent a bunch of time in the AV world. And he's like, are these protocols and encoding and decoding of video messages is really messy process. 
uh, prone, you know, ripe for the picking in terms of security vulnerabilities. So it didn't surprise me that that, that was at least uh, part of it. And I apologize. I didn't have time to digest the research article, but you should. They spent they spent uh, money even buying the, the licensing to house the servers. I think it's an on-prem server that you have to use uh, where they were able to, to get this to work so that the closed source software and the means which they had to do this is not, you know, something you're going to trivially go yeah. spend $1,500 on to, to get the licensing to, to do this yourself. But uh, any of the AV stuff, it's those closed loop and, and older systems that rely on uh, high, fidel- high fidelity and, and very high frequency, uh, there's going to be some interesting things in there. I, I, I love the fact, I, I was just reading through this article, um, and uh, I love the fact that uh, uh, Silva Novich uh, noted that there's um, one of the key things that they could have to really help prevent the two through days. Yeah, two vulnerabilities, the one t- buffer overflow and one info leak. Yep, was to compile your shit with ASLR. Imagine oh, that. Oh, that's funny. Uh-huh. <laughs> wow. That, that, you know, that's... I mean, let's let's face it. Like, you know, ASLR is a really solid technology, but if you don't use it, right. it's like not like, putting your seatbelt on. Yeah, yeah. Like, Her, she was quoted as saying, there is no good reason it, for it to be disabled in the vast majority of software. Mm. Uh, that's absolutely true. But yet, today, if you were to jump into Ida Pro or whatever favorite debugger and start, you know, filtering through on a Windows system, uh, you know, DLLs that are actually properly compiled and secure, you got to find them still that are not, mm-hmm. right? It, it's stunning. <laughs> well. These vulnerabilities were fixed on November 24th in 2021. Yep. And since enabled ASLR. Oh, have they? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's good. Yep. yep. They didn't say a date. A wise but... decision. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, really? <sighs> Fun stuff. Indeed. Oh, let's talk about Russia. Let's talk about Ukraine. And Ukraine. <laughs> and we don't talk <laughs> about that. Let's talk about you and me. <laughs> Will the Ukraine exist for much longer? <clears throat> I, I don't, uh, I'm not. A, what I mean, I've been. What do you mean, watching, Russia arresting uh, Revel ransomware? That's yeah, was one. that like? Sure. Was that just like smoking mirrors? Like yep. just throwing a bone? Like, hey, yep. We know you're concerned that we're going to attack Ukraine and all that stuff, but like, we'll give you Revel. Like, I don't know. Is that a big enough bone to throw? Uh, not well, really. They, not they, bone to throw. they they arrest, they arrested the people in Russia. Right. The group is reported to have agents. All over the globe. Well, they're affiliates, right? right. It's affiliate program. Like, <clears throat> right, right. The gang itself is fairly small, honestly. And these dudes are making ten million a year. And the house and the pictures that they're showing FSB guys or GRU or whoever, whichever unit took them down this time, it's pretty. It's uh, not a ten million dollar house. Not a ten million dollar. Uh, but, but, but by Russian standards, it was quite nice. Well, it was about hold on a second. Is, isn't it, yeah, like, isn't, I, like I said, this, isn't this just a government talent recruiting operation? I mean, <laughs> seriously. Is that, is, you think that's what they did with them? They nabbed yeah. them and they, now they're working for the, the We right have GRU. ways of making you work for us. Yes. Well, now they just handed over the control panel and, and any access they had to deploy whatever they had before it gets shut down. <clears throat> 
Yeah. Or does it get used by the Russians? Like, oh, hey, thanks for all that infrastructure. You mean you mean like the the ransomware that got deployed that didn't have a decryption key in the decryption process on the phone? Yeah. Funny how that works. (laughs) That's hysterical. Yeah. I can just see I I can just see the Russian authorities going, You won't be needing that anymore. (laughs) I'll take that. I I think I think this is literally just an acquisition. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Really? So, uh, I, and you're right, Paul. I think it, I think it's smoke and mirrors. It was the, mm-hmm. the uh, hey, we did the right thing. Never mind that man behind the Ukraine, right? Right. So, yeah, we're not bringing cyber into this at all. Look, we're arresting the cybers. Do you realize yeah, you're doing it, these are not the, the drones case? you're looking? These are not the droids you're looking for. Hand wave at the same time, Larry. Yes. We are. It's just yes. habit. Yeah. Just checking. Yes. yes. No, that was the, that was the intent. <laughs> I, I, Hard I to see by the camera. Here, I just see like, isn't it? It's second nature at this point. Now, is that is the it, is that the wiper malware you were referring to, Tyler? <clears throat> that's going through Ukraine right now. Is that yep. the, the wiper? The press calls it a wiper. wiper ransomware with a ransom note that's actually malware that just wipes your computer because there's no decryption functions. So they're just oh, encrypting it. Sneaky. <laughs> they don't. Yeah. So then they're they're wiping the MBR uh, as part of where they're encrypting the uh, encrypting the MBR and it doesn't. You know that does not allow the system to boot after that. So you know there's that problem as well. Like the recovery process of this is not well thought out. Uh, it's almost like, uh, or we, is it? Have we seen this before? <laughs> Tetia, yes. Yeah. This is, and this is the standard. Yeah. Standard MO. Yep. Yeah, I, sometimes I really hope for like really creative things and, and things that just maybe that's freaking awesome. Like you know zero click exploits that yep. take me three days to read. Like. I need these cool things. This other shit that we're seeing that's you know fifty years old and like old and dead. It's like it's getting old. But it's old. But Tyler, you say it's old and dead, but it still works. But it still works. That's that's why it still works. It's just said the said the old person. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Sorry, couldn't resist. You know, you're you're all right. You're, yeah, it's, it's all true. good. It's all good. But I, I think um you know on the whole Ukraine situation, I think you know that John Strand really had some great comments. And that was very much what we're starting to see out of recommendations from like CISA and a bunch mm-hmm. of other stuff um, and Microsoft and, and others was, you know, aside from the whole political mess, you know, to, you know, to paraphrase or to maybe add some words to John's mouth, um, you know, don't worry about the whole political thing with Ukraine. Um, you know, don't worry about, the cyber is so much, but you know, take a look at what the TTPs are that they're using and expect to see them elsewhere. Yeah. So it's not going to just get used there. It's going to get used in a whole bunch of other places. And well, there's nothing like having a laboratory, right? I mean, let's yeah. face it. I mean, the pen testing industry, we love having laboratories too. Yeah. So. Yeah. What was it? What was that t-shirt I saw back in the day? And I think it was Mubix that was wearing it. Um, was and it was like from the Metasploit project or something. And on the back, um, it had hold on a second, let me test that malware in my lab. And it had a picture of a map of China. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Nick- Nickerson was was credited with some of the first references to that as well. Yo. The China lab. That, that was a, that was our old uh, slogan for Dark Side Ops. Was, Your prod is our death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Now 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 the now the tables will be turned exactly the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Evil. Uh, oh, so evil. I love it so much. It's so evil. Is it or, the, uh, are, is it our evil? Is it our evil or evil? 
Is it like Revel. Weevil, but with an R? Revel? I mean, at least the Revel. Russians could just ask them how they pronounce it. Yeah. Like, can we get a final verdict on this? How it's pronounced? Yeah, we could ask Linus, uh, Linus Torvalds. Yes. Yep. We made that famous recording. <sighs> yes. Well, I, I think it was a famous recording I, of yep. how to pronounce Hello, Linux. my name is Linus Torvalds, and yes. I pronounce Linux. Linux. And no one says it like that. <laughs> Linux. 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 Well, I mean, to be to be correct, it's uh, Sodanokibi. Sodanokibi. What now? Whatever what? the Kibi. Russian one is. No, it's Linux. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, the Safari data leakage one is very interesting as well. There's some very useful tracking that happens in in Safari right now. Is that is that a, a result of a vulnerability or a feature? Or are we just meant some words at this point? Yeah, that's just well, a, it's a way in, in the the browser engine and the, and the way it collects uh, stuff and stores it in the database, if I remember right. But of course, feature, apparently feature it allows, it, it allows uh, if you're authenticated in a Google account, it allows them to basically fingerprint the Google account. And in some circumstances, depending on how the URL is formed in other tabs, if it's able to pull some of that out, it can get you know s session keys or hmm. um, get other tracking information. Uh, there's a lot of information it's able to pull, and this is for Safari on iPad and I don't know if it was iPhone it was one of the uh, Safari 15 running on iOS, iPad OS 15. Yeah, which is really bad, right? Like because that's a default browser for a lot of people. It's definitely not the default browser for most security people, but uh, you know on your iPhone or iPad like. People are using Safari unless they've went out of their way to install something different. So the ability to track, maybe gain authentication, or even just fingerprint what users tied to which device and what Gmail accounts tied to that user from previous work, that's very interesting and has a lot of ramifications. Yeah, it's interesting because this isn't the same origin policy. This is exploiting the browser to see what's running in it. Same origin policy applies to HTTP requests, not the internal right. workings of the browser. Yeah, yeah. I believe like if you if you visit a certain site that has certain tracking characteristics, it's able to utilize the index DB for that browser in the way that that browser leverages it to gain insights and, and potentially query that information in a manner that's able to get you things that you're after. So that's interesting. Again, another good reason to secure your device and choose your applications carefully. What do you in, what, Apple, do, what do you, what do you do to lock down your browser on your phone? I find there's not as many security controls as I would like on the browser on my phone, and let alone the browser that like is embedded in other apps, which despite you turning it off, the app updates and now when I click on a link in one app, it's still I got to go back and change the setting. That's highly annoying. And the ads are highly annoying. And so unless yep. you're blocking those at the network level, I haven't found good ways to, to yeah, lock them. And, and if you're, especially if you're doing this on iOS, right, this is a closed, this is a closed loop, you know, mm -hmm. thing. You, you can have some control over that in Android, but even that is getting to the point where it's getting much harder uh, and even leveraging some of the, 
the browsers such as Brave or, or Firefox modified browsers or, or even some of the Tor privacy browsers, like there's not as many settings as you would hope and to control on the mobile side of that. So you're, you're really getting to uh, an interesting spot. And by the way, we are going to give a shout out to uh, OX Jelly. I'm assuming that's his username for, for the raid on Twitch. If you're not following Security Weekly on Twitch, you should go check it out because you know, we just got a bunch of cool people in there. So. Oh, thanks for OX Jelly. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I also, like, when I'm going through the apps on my phone trying to read, like, try and read a recipe today or even just, like, some articles, and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't even read the article because there's so many ads. Now, my desktop browser, I've got the ad blocker, uh, which, say what you will about that, and sites that want you to disable it, which is annoying. But put that aside for a moment. On the phone, this is dangerous kind of thing. So much that I'm thinking I want to do a pie hole uh, implementation at home and it work for blocking those things. The problem with that is on the other side, it blocks a lot of legitimate stuff. And now you get into this maintenance uh, usability kind of, kind of situation that we've all been. And even if you can, even if you can do that, that breaks a lot of sites that that require cookies or even third party uh, verification things to load. You try and load one of your banks with uh, some, some of the blocking put in place. Like you've got, a lot of problems that, that start to appear you know even the good the good uh, adversaries are also using things like cloudflare or ad networks and so your ability to even block the stuff that is curated and vetted even starts to go down more because of the way that you know right. adversaries are to, to really focus on this. especially if you're you know worried about the mobile side of this this is getting more difficult and i think at some point there will be a breaking of uh, we'll call it you know web 2 and, and how Android and Apple or Google and Apple decide to render and allow things to access the sandbox even within inside of the browser I, I imagine some of this is going to uh, begin to be vetted uh, maybe that's you know web 3.0 stuff maybe that is web 2.0 and, and some different proxy technologies but at some at some point they've gotten the the platform down and the hardware down i think they're going to start breaking things uh, from the browser outside but then you have the problem of how do you fund the web i mean you've got you've got a significant issue there advertising is what produces the content there's a conflict of interest now with this platform and what their current revenue sources of business are I would never accuse Apple and Google of conflicts of interest, mostly because they own my soul in various ways. Well, but, but, I mean, um, Apple's done a good job of uh, restricting advertising and, and locking down your privacy. I mean, not that it's perfect, but it's better than Google, certainly. Uh, you know, then you get in this race of like, all right, do I have to pay for this content out of my own pocket or do I deal with the ads and what's the balance, you know, between the two? Uh, I mean, it, from a security perspective, I think the ad thing is is dangerous, and I almost want to put the phones on a separate network that does that that does that filtering um, to protect the device because I I feel like the devices, uh, iPads, you know, any kind of device like that are not as great at blocking some of this malicious content as you can on a desktop. I feel like I've got better tools. I think you're right. Um, I, I really have the same feeling. And, you know, it's, there's another comment I wanted to make on it, and that is if you look at solutions like um, like Pi Hall and mm-hmm. homegrown stuff like I've got, we're depending 
for the most part on on controlling the DNS request. Well, now you have DNS over HTTPS. Mm -hmm. So, you know, unless you're actively blocking all the DNS over HTTPS providers, which I'm going to put in place shortly, Mm -hmm. um, you you have an issue there as well, right? Or, and, and of course, that's a, that's one of these because th- there is uh, like with my own local resolver on my own network, I may well end up forwarding my uh, DNS requests over to Quad Nine, who are the only DNS over HTTPS provider that I think I can trust right now, mm-hmm. just because I want to encrypt it between me and the provider and yeah. them over across uh, the provider, so your ISP can't spy on your DNS. So requests. my ISP can't play games with the DNS traffic. So mm-hmm. it, it's a sort of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Kind I mean, of if I'm your ISP and I know you, Joff, I know you're probably going to porn sites, and I really don't care which ones. But. <laughs> unless well, they, unless they're mean, good, because then he wants to. Yes. There is a reason I renamed the iPad, <laughs> right? Um, well, like rename the host name, or no? I, I I just I just substitute the I for a P. <laughs> <laughs> it's your PP pad. Oh, 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 God! Where's the bleach for my the, brain? It's the porn pad. <laughs> it's not the porn the pad, um, but it's but for your eyes. Putting putting that aside for a minute. Um, <laughs> It's getting more difficult because, to some extent, the browsers kind of took control of the entire protocol stack. And then you're locked into – you've got this sort of vertical lock-in with some browser vendors, you know, and Google is a prime example. I hate to pick on them, but so we're going to So, hold on, on. Wait. I just want to get key on that point, Joff. The browser will not look at what DNS server – has been assigned to me or I've assigned in the operating system. The browser That's will do correct. its own – DNS use DNS to resolve names. Yeah, it'll have a default list of DNS over HTTPS and, yep. and go straight to that that provider and screw you if you've got a DNS provided by DHCP. They don't care anymore. Oh, good which, lord! Which was frankly a huge argument that Paul Vixie made a couple of years back, and he was really mad about it for good reasons. But nobody was listening mm. because there's very few people that understand. DNS, frankly. And which is that is, is that an, is that an option in most modern browsers now that I have to turn on, or is that it's on by default? Oh, the fact that you're going to HTTPS uh, providers is usually on by default. You, it's an option to turn it off so that you can use traditional DNS. Interesting. So that's but sad, now what's right? the if the browsers are also messing with with things that I think they shouldn't be messing with, and I saw a recent announcement oh, where. But Chrome said it won't go to local resources. Yeah. <clears throat> so, like, is it all RFC 1918, or is it reading my IP address and then deriving the, the subnet from that and going, you can't browse to things locally? Well, actually, it's, it's just your content. We have a, a full-time intern mm. convincing your computer to let you access your porn folder. I see. This, I mean, this is, this is a big problem. That we've yeah. been tied it's to, a huge problem. We've been tied to registrars. DNS providers and ISPs mm-hmm. and, and browsers, right? Like those are the, the four big main choke points where we couldn't decentralize now or have a free and open internet, you know, if we wanted to. So outside of like, if we want to curate, be very specific about where and what we do, the internet is not really that easy to manipulate at, at our level now in order to do that. That's why I think there's such a big 
attachment to this web 3.0, this decentralized, like you own a domain and you're not paying a subscription. You don't have to go to a registrar. You don't have to do the DNS. Like there are reasons that Tor kind of took off on the darknet and the onion where you're decentralizing and, and publishing some of that. And I think web 3.0 is kind of the next iteration making that simple, but we still have a lot of problems to fix with web 2.0 and the integration and uh, intermediate time between these two technologies. So there's, there's some very interesting things coming up that could, you know, getting rid of passwords and, and having a wallet or NFT that's signed and, and using your uh, public key to verify your login that's all attached to a cold wallet storage or, you know, something off of blockchain. Like all these things sound really awesome and they fix a lot of problems, but we are, you know, probably five years off from mainstream adoption, maybe more. So we've got this kind of intermediate time that we've got problems that are going to keep getting worse with these four choke points that get controlled uh, by some government, ISP, or, or conglomerate. Right. And a lot of those choke points were frankly driven by um, the, the, the maturity of the age of surveillance capitalism. They really were, right? Uh, and, and, and now I think we're realizing the, the actual impact of that. It's the light slowly coming on. I mean, light was on for me for a long time, but the light slowly coming on for other people. It's like, oh, shit, we just turned this over to browser vendor X. Well, that's a bad thing, right? There was a reason the open internet was an open internet, right? An open, even playing field. We need to get it back. We need to, you know, go go and back in that direction. Been supple- supplementing that privacy, security, and control with uh, subsidized devices that make your life convenient and, you know, easy and comfortable to watch Netflix from your TV from an Amazon subsidized piece of hardware that sells your ad tracking to the Brazilian companies that then curate your shopping list for next week, like. This is we've kind of all signed up for this. We're just at a state where it's really hard to gain some of that control back uh, without losing a good portion of the the comfortable uh, ease of use and internet that we are now used to or rely on. Oh, man, I'm so depressed now. We need to do a segue. <laughs> segue. Can we, can we can actually segue. can we segue to the deep fix article? Yeah. I didn't actually. One, I'll be honest. I didn't read this one. Um, the headline, okay. I, you could take the headline and we could basically debate the headline and whether or not you agree that, well, there's a couple of things we'd have to agree on if we, if we really are grokking this headline. So preparing for the next cybersecurity epidemic, deep fakes. So that means we got to agree that deep fakes is, or could be an epidemic. We have to also agree that it would be a cybersecurity epidemic. And we also have to agree that something that we should prepare for. I don't know Look, I, if all no, those things are no true. No, no, and yes. No, no, and yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, former, first off, I think it's going to be a problem, but I mean, I don't want to, you know, milk the story too badly, too hard. I mean, it, um, it, it says the potential to be an utter mess, and all right? An absolute utter mess. Well done, sir. And, uh, you know, it's not total bull. Okay? I thought that, well, I thought this when a cow jumps over a barbed wire fence. What do you call that? Oh my gosh. An utter oh. mess, Josh. An utter mess, yeah. Oh, okay. God. Oh, wow. oh damn. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I mean, anyway. this, this is already this is just Jeez. exponentially building on what we already have a problem with, right? Like disinformation, misinformation. Like the general public has no idea what's real and what's fake. That's nothing new. That's how political games are played. That's how elections are being won. So, you know, we're yeah. far behind the curve if we're going to say this is like the next big cyber. Uh, thing try, to, try and get your your family well, and friends to realize that the all the political memes out there 
All right, probably 90 plus or political ones 100%, but all the memes out there that aren't just meant to be funny are disinformation. Mm-hmm. Like it's right. just absolutely but, but not wait. true. Yeah, chew on that but there's a difference. For a while. But there's a difference between <laughs> disinformation and uh like a deep fake which is an absolute uh, uh, fake of an actual event. So let's talk about that for just a second. And uh, let's ignore disinformation well, just for a second. I mean, I mean it's it is a method a message, it's something that's not true. It is a method of disinformation, but this method of disinformation is what we're talking about. So this method of disinformation has two forms that I know of, and that's audio and video. And uh, on the audio part, you can still find a YouTube for Adobe Voco, V-O-C-O. And this is actually a a tool that they were going to release, and it was almost 10 years ago now, I think. Don't quote me on that. If somebody can do a quick Google, that'd be great. And uh, the second one is the video, which there's another YouTube for face to face you know numeral two and that's over 10 years old and it was a, a, the ability to put a face on a live video stream that that you could uh, make it do what you wanted you combine the two by the way adobe never released voco because mm. they realized how terrifying it could be as they were doing the demonstration um and you can almost see the people like they used a uh, uh, um, key and peel they used a uh, um uh, uh, key, I think it was to do, uh, the demonstration. You could see his face go, holy crap. It was, it was frightening. And, um, but what we have is we have a situation where you can't trust like 10 years ago, I had a case where I had a, a, a high net worth client and they're like, their banker got asked, you know, email from uh, with, with forwarders and, and responders, autoresponders and stuff. And the banker got asked, Hey, here's an email. Can you send wire transfer a few hundred thousand dollars to this account? which is an account the banker had never seen before. And he emailed back, are you sure? And they forwarded the message to themselves. You know, if, if, you know, like, if it comes from this person, forward it to here and sent back through that email account. Absolutely. It's just a, it's a purchase. It's no big deal. And he called and that was the difference. Mm-hmm. He picked up a phone and called. He's like, I just wanted to double check. And they're like, no, that's not us. Don't do it. He's like, cool. Just checking. And like, all right, they asked me, what technological means should we do to stop that? I'm like, just call him every time for every wire transfer. It takes 10 seconds. It's not a big deal. Just coordinate when he goes on vacation because, you know, you don't want to run out of household money. And now you can't do that anymore. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, Hmm. deep fakes are going to be an issue, both audio and video. But those are, you know, we know the CGI is freaking fantastic. We know AI is now really good with deep fakes. So it's just that what are they trying to accomplish? Like politically, like. This is disinformation, misinformation, fighting. It has gotten to the point where you shouldn't trust videos. You shouldn't trust what you see. Uh, you know, there's always going to be a lens and an angle from whatever news media outlet you're getting it from. You know, whatever Ignore national security, Tyler. <laughs> Ignore national security. Just for a second. Just talk about small to medium business. If you've got, yeah. you know, a 50 person company doing 10 million a year, 20 million a year. I'm just making this up. Bear with me. And they get a call from the boss and, and it's the CFO and you know, this is the CEO. I want you to transfer every dollar in the, in the, in the daily money account or whatever to this address right now. We have an emergency, blah, 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 blah. And the CFO, okay. And goes ahead and does it. Um, you know, a Zoom I mean, AI filter with the boss on Zoom and has an AI deep fake filter that you can tell it whatever to say. Like, these are going to be yeah. problems, which is which is why, like the only again, like, I'm I was never a real 
huge proponent. Like I've done crypto for a long time and I was, you know, I, I backed a lot of the ideas. I didn't think they would take off quite to the point that they're at. But this is where the validation process, the key signing and the blockchain and, and really having a way to validate things now with all these up and coming coins, companies, uh, ways in which to validate and verify contracts and, and actions that is signed, like crypto and blockchain, if you're not on board, like there's no way around it because we're going to be living in a digital environment that you can't trust anything unless it is cryptologically sound. Yeah, I mean, this was, well, this was solved. I was about to make that comment that, you know, in order to, you know, let's say you're watching a video, well, there needs to be some out of band method, whether that's blockchain, whatever it might be. I was going to say, that uh, sounds like an NFT. Yeah. <laughs> insert your crack crack term of the moment. But there needs to be an out of band way to to verify, like an HMAC, right? That that is legitimate content. No, and it's, it was that, developed in 2019. It was the Voight, Voight Conf test. It was in, it's how they tested for replicants. Oh, uh, Blade oh. Runner? Anyone? Blade yeah, Blade Runner. <laughs> Blade Runner. <laughs> Sure, I thought it was serious. He was like, "What are you talking about?" Like, what? <laughs> I was waiting for the for the other shooter drop. I'm like, "What the fuck is Blade <laughs> Blade Runner? The movie took place in 2019, and that was they they needed a test to see if it was a replicant or not. I mean, essentially, that's the same thing we need for right. deepfakes is some is some kind of uh, test. But it can't be in band. It has to be out of that communication. Like right. we have to have this out of band mechanism because if we, you know, and and how do you convince general public to actually utilize that? Yes. Right. Yes. I'm scrolling through TikTok, man. Like you know, <laughs> I guess the well the provide the providers need to do that. But that's this is the thing we have now with large social media networks. It's not in their financial best interest to do any of these kind of tests. Look at Twitter for bots. Uh, yeah, like we know, like there's some bots, but yeah, like how some. many? Well, like if we told you how many, then we wouldn't have as many subscribers, and we couldn't ask for more money from yep. you know our, our VC and investors. So we, you got to just deal with it. Right? We, have a, we have a couple. We well, took we we took about three hundred Russian bots offline. Yeah. That's wait, 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 wait. Okay, so so Michael Tiffany is a friend of mine, and he had the company uh, Botternot, which now is called Human, I think, mm -hmm. and um, it was uh, White Ops. Now it's called Human Security, I think. And they, they do a lot of bot, you know, click jacking, mostly for commercial purposes, like how many bots clicked my ad and I shouldn't pay them type of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and the amount of bots that they register, like they did a report not long ago, I, I'd have to pull it up, but holy God, 300 bots is not a drop in the bucket. It's not even a, it's an atom in the bucket. Right. I think it's Facebook. Yeah, Facebook. No, YouTube. YouTube publishes some of those statistics and I think they do it. Do they do it monthly? I linked to it several weeks ago. I believe it comes out monthly, and they kind of give you uh, a state of the YouTube police kind of report. Like, this is how many, you know, Chinese disinformation YouTube channels we took down. It's, I mean, it's in the thousands uh, on that particular one, I think, from what I remember. Um, so it is largely up to the providers, but they have to be compelled, mm -hmm. maybe even force regulated into doing this type of i mean now we get into whole debate on who should be deplatformed yep. who shouldn't on um, based on what premise and then it's a private company you know it's not a government running it's not china not all the companies are chinese companies right like chinese government companies it's a totally different dynamic so and i think hmm. this is where a platform's gonna emerge that does this i mean twitter kind of does some of this with the verified and mm -hmm. 
I think eventually we'll get to that point where yeah, your your NFT or wallet back, you know, blockchain backed identity becomes part of uh, your sign in and, and authorization to post things as you online, and which people actually look for and care about. And platforms will be the first adoption because that's where mainstream. It's got to be easy for the regular Joe Schmo to do this. And so they'll have a way to do it and integrate it all. And I think, but that, that's only, old. but that's part of the problem, though. You can validate what's coming. That my channel is my channel, and what I post on my channel is my content. The problem with deepfakes is someone could create something on another channel, and that's what gets circulated. That's what gets used. It could be. So you're only going to be able to trust the things that are at at the source or at the provider that you trust. Which, right. again, if we if we look at news outlets and and what people trust and read and and take as gospel, like that's not going to be much better anyway like it but isn't it amazing to say like nothing's a hundred percent true is i mean we've really there in is this, always an angle or a lens yeah, in this interconnected world i mean we've been following the security news as an example right I, and i have to say the cybersecurity news is, is a lot better uh with this and the sources that that we follow and i'll share i've shared them with everyone in the past right um but when you step outside of that into like mainstream or even just trying to figure out like What's happening with COVID? What's happening with, uh, you know, various topics in Russia and in Ukraine? Man, you got to pull. I mean, those of many of us do it, right? We pull from different sources and we talk to people before you form an opinion. But uh, you go look on Facebook or some other social media platforms and people are like, oh, that picture looks like it makes sense because it has words on it in a picture. So therefore, that must be what's true. Yeah. They don't even read the article. They literally no. read the headline. They read the headline. Opinion, they'll go yeah. to the grave with. <laughs> yes. So, yes. so I, I would, I would estimate, and this is going to sound very judgy, but a lot of us, like you just said, Paul, will do that, right? We'll go to yeah. different sources. We'll try to validate, verify, and really form an opinion. I bet you that's less than one percent of the population that actually does that. Yeah. It's and even if you talk to an expert, right? They just may have a different opinion. I mean, I've heard some doctors say things about COVID, and I'm like. I understand you're a doctor and all, but like it's almost like the. Then you research what they've looked at, how they've done it, what what kind of school they went to, what the yeah. opinions of those professors were, and the way that they Agreed. treat medicine. Like, there's a whole. You pull on the thread, and the thread just ends up being a, a freaking polyester suit. It's bad. Yeah, but I think you know, also you know the validation of studies, right? You can't you can't take one study. And we do this in cybersecurity too. I can't take one survey that draws a conclusion and go, that's the truth 100% of the time in that situation. That's the truth. I'm like, no, I, you got to look at multiple you studies. You look at the raw and, data. Yeah. Like, not and, just the raw data of the study. You have to look at the raw data of who was studied, where right. that data came from, what was the precursors for, if they even disclose that, which good study should. What were the biases? What are the biases or influences? You know, we see that all the time that there's a commercial cybersecurity company sanctions a study that fully supports the product <clears> that they sell. And I mean, sometimes they're not wrong. Like, I'll, I'll give that to them. There are, I'm not saying every study or survey that's out there is complete garbage, right? But I mean, the, it does align. And some of them aren't wrong, right? The conclusions are drawn. You're like, all right, if I, if I go shop that around, look at other studies, talk to my friends, study the data, like, okay, in general, that's true. But usually, like you said, Tyler, there's some angle to all of this, which is annoying. But you know what? You know what? Just to make a really, really fun comment, because it's getting kind of deep in here. The best part about an NFT is 
it's the word fungible, fungible. because that is such it a, is a cool really, word. <laughs> it is a really cool word, fungible, yes. Say it again, Joff. Say it again. Say all it again. my all my tokens are getting funged. <laughs> it oh, doesn't sound like a good oh. thing or an erotic thing, Josh. I don't know where you like it kind of sounds more to me like fungus, which but is you've got to lean into the microphone and say. I just think of a big mushroom, like a like a, yeah. a Super Mario World mushroom. Every time I think, but just of the it. tip, just the mushroom tip, the head, just the, the head of the mushroom. Mycelium fungibility. <sighs> is that what oh, the T in NFT stands for? Token, tip. non-fungible token, <laughs> non-fungible, non <laughs> non-fungible. <laughs> I want to I want to delve gutter, back gutter, into a gutter right in yeah it. I want to delve back into a little bit into vulnerability management um, <laughs> Oracle released its first round of security updates for 2022 uh, which came out in, in you know this month I thought you were gonna say 2021 for a minute there and I would have been appropriate right the, the <laughs> first one is 497 patches <laughs> Jesus Christ! I mean, it's Oracle. Do you expect any less? They do a lot of software. Like I'll, that, I mean, talk about looking but at angles and all that stuff. Run on Oracle, like that is scary numbers for things that run critical things. It's true because Microsoft also has a lot of lines of code, and I don't oh, think damn. we hit four hundred ninety-seven in uh, a Microsoft Patch Tuesday. Nope. Ever. Did you Did you see the piece about MySQL? I did not. Oh, 78 patches for my sequel, including fixes for three unauthenticated, remotely exploitable issues. Oh, those, that, how could that be? Oh, right that, that be a like, problem. How did they do that? Their PR team is amazing. <laughs> but my thing is, like, the next one will come out on April 19th. I'm like, what? Can we... Am I out of line And asking, it will have 603 patches. Right, but, like, am I out of line and asking for a way that we can... Use a, I don't want to say DevOps, but DevOps style approach where we can break up this work into really smaller, man, more manageable chunks. And I get it, like applying a patch is not, it's not a trivial thing, as we all know. Um, but when I do that, I don't want to start looking at 497. I want to go, okay, what, what patch are we applying today? Maybe even this week. Dev, dev branches, like uh, patches for early release, like yeah. any of the above. Oh my God! Yeah, no, yeah, no, no, no! Look at the look at patch the... families, right? Like, like what subfamily of patches am I applying here? <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! No, no, no! Look at the article. They released fixes for um, every single set of fixes for like every functional group, like retail mm -hmm. applications, Fusion middleware, whatever. Has got thirty three security updates. Twenty two of them are remotely exploitable, unauthenticated. Every single group is uh, uh, Java SE, 18. Of those 18, 18 of them are remotely unauthenticated, remotely exploitable, unauthenticated. PeopleSoft, supply chain, of the 10 patches, eight of them are unauthenticated, remotely exploitable. Like, they're basically, like, they didn't even go below critical. Like, below critical is we don't even care anymore, you know? It's yeah. Like, oh my God. This is not inspiring is, confidence. No, but it, you know no. what? It, it, it's also kind of laughable because CISA goes... Well, we encourage administrators to review Oracle's latest CPU and apply the fixes immediately. Um, really? That's what you're going to tell. Say they're like, you fix your shit or we will. Like, <laughs> but like, have you ever talked to anyone that runs Oracle products mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. what they do? Yeah, four, like, four, 497. You know, 400 Oak Street. It's where I get my underwear at Walmart. <laughs> Dad let me drive on the driveway on Sunday. It's 497. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> that was awesome. 
my gosh. <sighs> it's time for Wapner. Uh, I think Larry just Larry broke. Larry Rain Man. Oh, I, 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 I broke like 497. <laughs> okay, hey Larry, we're gonna need you to pat to test 497 patches. It's considering that most of them are critical CVSS tens, we need to be testing these uh, by say Monday. Is that okay, Larry? Oh, you love, that's yeah, so, thanks, Larry. You gotta look at the you gotta look at the very bottom. <laughs> In related articles, <laughs> securityweek.com posts Oracle's October 2021 CPU <clears throat> includes guess how many? It's time, it's it's time guess how many security patches were the last release? That likely people are still working on. 280? 419. And also related, July 2021, the one before that? 342. And the one before that? 390. How does Microsoft get so much shit? <laughs> this is Very bad. Early. That is Damn. more than a thousand security patches. In less than in, a year, in a twelve-month period. What kind of testing? Well, less, wait, wait, less. Wait, wait, wait. They, in their go back defense, to right? In their defense, wait a second. In their defense, uh, Microsoft rolls up a lot of patches into, uh, um, you know, the uh, service packs. Couldn't think of the word. So it could be that there are a thousand patches in Microsoft, but they're done in Service Pack One and Two instead of Patch Four Hundred Ninety Seven and Three Hundred Seventy Five. And How Oracle, but Oracle has a Oracle has a tough time doing it that way, Josh, because of all the interdependencies in the software that's that's being used here. No, I, I agree, but I'm just saying Microsoft is able to do that, so maybe they have a thousand. But you know, I don't know. I mean, does anybody know how many patches like uh, server and, and word and every, everything else got over the past year? Like individual yeah, patches? Like, yeah, we've, we've went through almost all of them. It's not quite that many. Okay. Maybe, maybe in the hundreds, but 497. I don't know the testing environment for this. Like I'm just thinking of the, the Oracle Apache people, soft <clears throat> Java environment of all the things that this has to go through. Just, just to know if this is safe is yeah that's why they have service agreements obviously crazy drunk drivers <laughs> tell me what movies 75 from. toothpicks 75 toothpicks 497 is Qantas, the number Qantas. the only airline that hasn't had an accident yeah, right? the, the number is anyway. 497 because there's three left in the box I think we need a segue we do. Oh. I wish I had some I'm, warning I'm just, before. The, I wasn't. I wasn't prepping a segue. For, for oh the, no! Uh, I know. The, I know the one we need to segue to because it'll calm us down. Serving the pot brownies. No, I, before we get to that one, and, I want to talk about squirrel. one that might rile us up a little bit. But the five G rollout. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, oh one. yeah, that's fun. We, I'm, we, wa I'm watching the mainstream news, right? <laughs> and there's your problem right there. I know. <laughs> my wife, for whatever reason, lately she's like, I want to, I want to watch the news, right? I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, and but so they're talking about the 5G rollout, and I'm watching, going, like, there's a test to see if the bandwidth being used in 5G and the altimeters on commercial aircraft are in conflict with each other, like that. Someone needs to spin. Then I started thinking. I'm like, someone needs to spin up a lab, and then they need to go figure out what type of aircrafts are in use in the United States and map that to all the different model and style altimeters that are on every single airplane. And they need to get one of each model inside of a lab. Then they need to have the 
5G and the alternator in the lab, and then they need to conduct some kind of test to say if it interferes and determine interference, which means they need to have a control group. I need to test the altitude from an altimeter, right, without interference, then the interference, and probably cycle through that a few times. I mean, like FCC testing that happens at, like, I don't national lab and the 5G labs where they test all the things against 5G. And- mm. Yeah, exactly. So, but then my How brain went to, like, who pays for that I'm testing? Serious. Like, was it a thing where, like, the uh, cellular companies, at and Verizon, were like, you know, I'm not paying for that. And the airlines are like, well, shit, I certainly can't pay for that. And the government's going, well, we're not going to fund it or pay for it either because we don't know what you guys are talking or, about. Or is it the, the, the manufacturers of the altimeter or folks like Boeing and, and those types of things? Right. So before, like, yeah, that's a great point, Larry. That's another part of you. And, could and are these not summit. hardened against radio interference and there's fly-by-wire and backup systems and the fact that radio 5G goes above a cell phone, like the towers are always hitting them anyway, so... I'm just not following the, the what, line. Like what under what conditions do you in what variables do you have in practice where the five G tower has to be near the airplane? And now you're talking about temperature, weather, moisture, all those like I mean a million different interference, like reflection, refraction, and like try and figure out just exactly how it would affect the altimeter. Mm-hmm. In practice, one way to say how, you know, one thing is to say how it affects it in the lab in controlled conditions, but how is it going to affect it in the field? Because now there's a whole different set of yeah. variables. And, and arguably, the lab is going to be, quote, the perfect conditions. So yeah. I would argue that the effects would be more severe in the lab. Correct. And less but, severe in, yeah, in the real world. But, but if you can, you can introduce something that's going to be pretty bad to the altimeter, which they kind of need to use during an instrument-only landing, um, you know, during potentially during severe weather when they don't have uh, wait, visual. Wait, I've, right. got, I've got first principal questions, Larry. Yeah, Larry, you you should know this. Yeah. When AT and T and Verizon, not mm-hmm. T Mobile or Sprint, right? Because it's not their problem. When they came to the FCC and said, "Hey, we want to buy that spectrum. We're planning to put five G on there." How could they f this up so bad? Well, <laughs> so the but, the yeah, article, yeah, so the yeah, BBC yeah, article, yeah. It's a great question, Jeff. <laughs> the BBC article. I don't know if you guys clicked on it. It was my story number eighteen because uh, this was my question too, Jeff. Right? Because a lot of us said we've, we've done the Wi-Fi thing and Bluetooth. Yep. Like we're we're la- Larry, before, like, before you get to the article, I'm going to answer that question with a very snarky comment. Um, it what maybe probably wasn't AT&T and Verizon that fucked it up. You mentioned one key element there, which was the FCC. And I'm just going to leave it at that. If you want to ask how can they fuck this up, that the, the, the fuck up a, communications commission. I mean, uh, the federal communications there was a, commission. a family guy video on the F. Anyway. You know what really grinds my gears? 5G networks, according to this BBC.com article, 3.7 gigahertz to 3.98 gigahertz. There is then what they call a separation guard band from 3.98 to 4.2. Altimeters, according to the article, operate at a range of 4.2 gigahertz to 4.4 gigahertz. So if that's if that's true, is that enough separation to avoid interference? Is the magic question? I'd argue. Well, yeah, under varying conditions. Why is this a story? Right. That was my <laughs> yes. But even even better job. Why is it's this 5G. a story? It's got a buzzword. Yeah, but even Josh, even more why this is a, a story. And Paul, this was something that you and I were talking about mm. over dinner before the show. Was five G has been already deployed in forty countries? 
Yeah. For years. The, the same technology in 40 countries, four years, and it doesn't screw up the altimeters in those same aircraft that are flying into those countries. Do you know why? Whoa, 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 whoa. When you load the plane with bands. vaccinated people. Well, do you, do you know why it doesn't screw up the altimeters in those countries? They put an entire RF cage around the airport. Oh, no, 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 but you're, 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 you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Those countries says, don't put that shit near our airport. Right. And guess what? Oh. It doesn't affect the altimeters in the aircraft. But what if I want to use 5G while I'm in the airport? We'll put a tower in the damn airport and turn the power down. Oh, Turn that's the right. power down. Yeah. You'd think they'd have some RF engineers that You'd actually... you think... Yeah. Mm. It's, it's scary that a radio frequency, though... Yeah is able to do this kind of interference in a way that they're worried about safety. Like that sounds like a design problem at the alternative level. That sounds like, like a, a real yep. problem. If there were a threat actor or attacker that wanted to mess up an airplane. Seriously. Really all they need is a 5g antenna and, and radio. Like, well, there's a whole lot better, of things you can do or better. Just get a directional antenna and mm -hmm. stop broadcasting on the exact frequency. Yeah, right. For, for the record, don't do any of these things unless you like yeah, federal right, prison. Right. We're not right? That would be a violation of FCC Chris regulations. Because yep. you know, I've made the joke a number of times and that you know, all the thing with you know signal interference and all this type of stuff is that uh, here in the U.S. the FCC is a complaint-driven organization and they don't monitor for everything all the time except if you're near a goddamn airport. <laughs> or yeah. I mean, it, it would be a complaint filed if a plane crashed or I ran mean, into trouble and was proven the, to be one would think. from interference. Yeah. The, U but, the UK's FAA, like the CAA said that there's been no confirmed instances uh, where 5G would interfere with an aircraft. That's because so again, they, like, according to that article from the BBC, they operate at different frequencies. Yep. I mean, the, bi the big thing is, is that they don't want 5G around because, I mean, that's how all of those chips in the COVID vaccines are going to communicate. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. So don't like, that's like I just, said, that's you fill just the planes news, with vaccinated Larry. people. <laughs> And you're screwed. You're screwed. I mean, if yep. you fill the plane with vaccinated people, can you imagine? I mean, that, I mean, I mean, the the problem, Josh, that we've got is is that if you've got the five G chips in the vaccine, where do you put the battery? Oh, that's you, you are oh. the battery. That's easy. You yeah. are the battery. Yeah, that, no, that's, 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 that's the Matrix. Theories, Larry. They got that part figured out. They do. That's Good. Right. Haven't you seen the oh, Matrix? Yeah. We are batteries, essentially. God That's right. Yeah. Top top. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm still, I'm still just this 5G stuff. Like this is, like, besides the fact that it would only mess with the digital altimeters. There's still backup and fly-by-wire stuff. Like there's still manual things in this airplane. So what? There's also windows. Look, we're real close well, to the fucking ground. <laughs> that, what the, pro well, the, the problem the, is when you can't see out yeah, the window. That, and that was, and that's their, yeah. that's their big one is that, that you can't use the altimeter, the digital altimeter when you. You need to use that during severe weather conditions, uh, and well, yeah, during there's IFR a window, flight. but yeah, yeah, and that I think that's the big one. And they're like they're saying, they said today that they've already canceled flights because of areas with severe weather because they can't use the altimeter because five G is on. Bullshit. What? Bullshit. That's what? Bullshit. That's I yeah I'm I'm calling BS on that I I think there's there's some entire different motivation behind this entire story uh, we just don't 100%. know what it is there's, a, there's entire government sectors I can I can show you the building that researches <laughs> very thoroughly and I'm pretty sure that this stuff is very well known 
there's some much you, you, mean, you mean well known and it's a bunch of bullshit yes yeah yeah uh, we need Where to find we, yeah we need to find Wait. someone we need to find someone that an airline pilot, hey, maybe, should, or in. Uh, we should get the guys that test the 5G that help certify it for the government. Like, I bet we could find them. Yep. I bet we, we can call him. Chris Roberts, too. I know. Oh, Chris See Roberts. See if he can fly the plane sideways while we're at it. Using 5G. Using 5G. Inform your vaccine. Doesn't even need to bring anything with him. Just needs to be vaccinated. That's right. You got a plane loader <laughs> with man, man, man's right such a badass. He just needs to show up. That's it. <laughs> vaccine boosted, baby. Now turn those engines on. <laughs> what, you're not That's a, a pure blood? <laughs> That's a t-shirt. Wow. <laughs> Picture of it. Oh, can we move on, please? Oh, oh sure. now are we talking about pop brownies now? Yeah, can, and then, uh, then you know, and then, and then we got another one. All right, we're gonna, let's do pop brownies first. It shouldn't take that long. So my, my title for this. Dude, if you have enough of them, it's going to take forever. Gonna take the a title for me is My Mom Stole My Brownies. So this... <laughs> 46-year-old, I'm just setting the stage here, 46-year-old man who still lives at home with his mom in South Dakota went on a trip to Colorado, where, as we know, marijuana has been legalized for quite some time, uh-huh. um, and decided to bring something back for himself. I don't know if he, if he drove or... Uh, he brought way. back butter. Either way. It, it, well, I think it'd be kind of hard to get TSA to you know put a cooler down with a whole pound of butter in it. because <laughs> that's He bought a pound <laughs> of THC butter. And brought it back to South Dakota. He then takes half a pound of butter and makes brownies. Now, I'm not sure how many brownies that he made with half a pound of butter. And I'm not that's, sure what the ratio should for, for, the, for the record, that's two sticks of butter. <laughs> yeah, that sounds... Not a lot. It's not a lot. But when you're making pop brownies, I'm not sure um, what the uh, ratio uh, works agreed. out. With the, how many the, milligrams let's put it this are way. Yeah. These are going to be some really good brownies. <laughs> that's... <laughs> From what I just that's a lot of butter for pop brownies. I mean, unless you're making, it depends on how many you're making, right? right so I don't right. know if we have and all you, the, the. And then you only need to eat a little brownie. Uh, that you, but, that's, you but know, you just, but you made a whole shitload of brownies. So right. like, so he makes the brownies <laughs> and he puts them in a Tupperware container and he leaves them on the counter and he goes to bed. And his mom wakes up the next morning because apparently he's still sleeping because he probably <laughs> ate a pop brownie before bed <laughs> or, or his, two or two. His mom or... goes, oh, and he cool. With his mom he's playing World of Warcraft, right? right all yeah, night. all night. Yep. <laughs> and so he's sleeping in the morning and she wakes up and goes, oh, cool brownies. I'll take these to where did she take them? Was there an official? It was a senior center. A senior center. Was a nursing home or senior? I don't know. It was a nursing home or just like a a, a, a kind of social senior center kind of thing. So more elderly uh, people uh, are just having at it on these pot brownies. Just what the doctor ordered, right? Hey, look, seniors these days, we're around in Woodstock and such. They get a pot brownie, they're going to be like, dude, I'm good. And so they consumed, I'm trying to find how much like they they consumed. So around 8 p.m. on January 1st, the first of several medical calls were received by Bonn Home County Sheriff's Office Emergency Dispatch reporting possible poisoning. <laughs> Every one of the patients was at the Tabor Community Center earlier for a card game. So like I said, it was like a social kind of community. And it must have been really social that day, let me tell you. <laughs> Especially about an hour into it. Dude, they didn't put Molly in the brownies. They put pot in the right. brownies. 
So maybe it wasn't social. Maybe we're just sitting there staring at each other. Like, dude, I can't reach my cards. Like, <laughs> exactly. But I can I can walk all of a sudden. <laughs> Check out anyway, these colors. Holy oh, shit. Oh, so it does. I mean, it's. I want to hear more from the like what happened to the people because it says they they tracked down the people who'd eaten the brownies. Uh, <laughs> they, I, they weren't going very far, I, dude. I want to hear their <laughs> stories. <laughs> you know, hopefully everyone was okay. I mean, all kidding aside, yeah. Uh, consuming large amounts of THC can be dangerous, especially if you're elderly. Uh, from all sorts of things, I mean, increased heart rate and things like that. So I don't know that anyone fell truly ill. I mean, people probably thought they were dying because that's in Colorado. You, you can <laughs> read all the reports from overdosing on THC. Uh, so he was released on $3,000 bond uh, and has been charged. The biggest one that surprises me about this article is that you read People magazine. I So going back to our earlier story, I read news ag- aggregators that link to, uh, <laughs> yes. and um, there's no secret, yep. but I mean, I use Flipboard uh, to aggregate my news. So rather than subscribing to like people magazine yep you i just, just i use a news Flipboard. aggregator that has yeah. interesting stories yep. that, yeah and you subscribe to different topics and, and whatnot and <coughs> i plugged in marijuana because of stories like this <laughs> that are absolutely <laughs> hilarious uh see and and see my news aggregator story got my story yes which was infinitely greater than 497 uh which was uh dna testing uh proved that a uh, milkman in California between 1950 and 1960 <laughs> fathered over 800 children. How is that like possible? Like the math works out, right? Like 365 days in a year. Like I mean, this dude was, was busy. I mean, it was over a 20 year period. Okay. That's a, still a lot of getting busy. That, that's a lot of DNA samples that they have uh, collected, and now you see it's the called twenty. Th- it's called twenty three and me. Twenty three and me. Yep, and ancestry.com and yep. the The line at the end of the article fucking kills me. Uh, to think at ninety seven to hear such news, what a blessing! I feel so fulfilled that I can't can't wait to meet all my children because all these years I thought I was sterile. My wife and I never had any children. What? Okay, that's just awesome. <laughs> yeah, he was young. He delivered the milk when you actually had to. You didn't. You didn't go to the grocery store. You had milk delivery service. And oh, he, he was delivering more than milk, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was eight hundred plus times. But like, yeah, he, he was. But hold on, no, those are just the times where women got pregnant. Yep, he was delivering a lot more than eight hundred times. Could be. <laughs> Could be. But you think about the the mean variable there for, you know, proper time of the month, different women, different times. Yeah. That's probably a a three, three to four X mean variable factor. Well, and not to mention, he was delivering more than the milk, like on a consistent basis to multiple houses. Yep. For a good stretch. Pun intended. Wow. Oh, Oh, God. That's uh, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, like, who else gets a sex story like that and then tries to do the statistics on it? We are such friggin' geeks. Oh this my god, very true. Like I'm le- like legit trying to do the math of like Tyler's. Tyler's quiet. He's still doing the math. He's still doing the math. Like, can you create a spreadsheet for the, this, Tyler? The, the, like, the, how many women? How many houses? How many? Did <laughs> the average output of uh, a viable sperm per 
Her, <laughs> yeah, but well, but you got to take into account her. that one woman could have bore bore more Born. than one child for this person. That yeah, has right? a nine month variation of each of these being separated by nine right? months. Right, because you can't get pregnant twice. Pregnant right, for those nine right. months yes, on yes. top of you know, cycles, and there's a lot of math here. There, there is. is. There I'm is. looking forward to your research paper on this, Tyler. <laughs> I really am. <laughs> We we look we look forward to uh, living vicariously through you uh, for your empirical results. Now move to Southern California. <laughs> or are you going to test? Uh, I don't think it would have the same effect if you tested it in Idaho. No, no, it would not. Because <laughs> you not it, it'd be Utaho, not Idaho. Wait, never mind. Craziness. Yeah. As he as he went about his day job, Randy developed Randy like. Really? <laughs> developed a cordial relationship with his customers. <laughs> oh. It was a cordial relationship, all uh, right. Most of the time, his interaction with, with housewives. Like, this has like a porn movie written all over it. He, he had never, he did, was absolved of paying any kind of child support. Yeah. Well, I mean, at 97. That's crazy. Yeah. Crazy story, Larry. Crazy. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We can tie this back to him. Some of the women he used to have a cordial relationship used to make pies and other snacks for him. Mm. Like brownies. Like brownies. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, crap. Side Dragon actually responded. I hit him up on Twitter. Yeah. And he responded on Twitter and said, yes, there's a legitimacy there. Hang on oh, a second. Interesting. Whoa. There was a legitimacy to the last story. There was a lot of uh, or illegitimacy. <laughs> well, you don't know how many of the women were married and how many weren't, or if he was married at the time. He was. He was married. Oh, so well, that, according, I, we never had kids. Uh, I'm going to throw this in, in uh, Discord, but he actually put a link about the assessment of C-band mobile telecom inf oh. interference impact on low-range radar, radar altimeter operation. Damn, he's fast. Huh. We so will it's in Discord. To, uh, yeah, it's we'll in Discord? Bring them. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Throw it in Twitch too. Thank you, Mr. Roberts. We'll have to uh, bring him on to have a larger conversation about that because it sounds fun. Uh, about the five G interfering with altimeters, not not the milkman, milkman fathering eight hundred children. Yeah. Oh, oh he said. But we remember, didn't talk remember? about. Hold on, we didn't talk about nine year olds launching DDoS attacks against schools, so they get school canceled. Brilliant. I'm just gonna say like. We should start following some of these kids for hiring after we teach ethics. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that's a that's a recruiting thing, but we got to put yeah. in some pre. But I don't think like ethics. I don't believe that. The, I think they're just going to a booting ser a booter service, right? Like I don't think they're construct. They're not building their own botnets and launching a DDoS attack. I mean, if that's the case, like you said, Tyler, we teach them ethics first and then we hire them. <laughs> but uh, I think it's just a. a to me, it's more of a systemic problem uh, in two different ways. One is ethics and uh, awareness training to children, which is really where this article was focused on, you know, the ethics behind some of this, mm -hmm. uh, some of these activities, such as uh, when you're playing video games, you want to boot someone off the game, right? You go to the booter service and then kids are like, wait, if I can take down like one or a couple of people in a video game, why can't I take out the school? And then I don't have school that day. Like, that's <clears> totally <throat> awesome. And then I got more time to game, right? So they yeah. made that leap. Obviously, there's a huge 
moral ethics values <clears throat> conversation that needs to happen, which is where this campaign that happens to be from the UK, um, <laughs> you know, is is focused. But also, what can we do, law enforcement and cybersecurity, to make sure these services aren't available? To people like nine-year-old kids. Mm -hmm. See, my initial reaction was like, oh, they're just going to DDoS the school, and then they're just going to, you know, like we do here, Mm. we're going to treat it like a snow day. Like, the first snow day is a snow day. The second day that we have snow, they go to virtual, and I'm like, so they just go to virtual. Oh. Oh. If you wipe out their capacity to do virtual learning. Yeah. Now it's a snow day. Yeah. yeah, but really, but that that sounds like poor network design to me. Like, yeah. if you're relying, if you're not capable. Although I, I did just see this. Like, we had a power outage here, and although all the kids use Zoom and Google Docs and Google Classroom, the uh, district had set up the URL in order for the authentication to validate the students to log in. It rerouted through the the district's website. The website went down because the power was down because uh. they hosted. Themselves. Yes. And they were not Great even point. able to get to Zoom or to Google Docs because of the auth redirection. That's a bad dot design decision and they need to re architect. Agreed. Yep. They need to host it in the cloud. Yeah, I was just going to say move yeah. to the cloud. So then they have to DDoS Google. And good luck with that. But now they, yep, they, it's good. a little harder than. Well, I mean, I mean, they just DDoS Google, or they figure out what the IP addresses are assigned to where mm-hmm. the teachers are holding their classes at the school, maybe school building, and just DDoS those. Not that we're giving you kids any ideas out there. Like, no, hold on, hold on. This, we're not this is, condoning this, is a, this behavior. This is this is a critical uh, a thinking ex- a thought exercise. Yes. In, yes. Yes. In network design and single points of failure. Yes. Yep. <sighs> Yeah, booters are not for children or or adults, for that matter. Of course, it's really, I mean, these services move around so much. That's a whole other topic for a whole other time, right? Yeah. And I'm I'm curious, like, where they did the research for this. Was it at the school? Was it allowed? Like, if they did it at home, like, that's some scary uh, home networks anyway, like we've been saying. So mm. there's a whole bunch of problems that can arise from, you know, just training kids what the risk is of getting into these sites and then the other things that, potentially happen on these sites like it was pretty cool that they found the site and they were able to pull it off but right like someone found it first and was in the game chat or discord channel and makes friends with someone and goes oh if you want to boot someone like dude here's the service you want to use right that's usually and and most of the services require crypto so like Mm -hmm. did they set up a wallet like did they put funds in did they figure out how the transaction worked like there's not there's some non-trivial things that they had to to go through to get the service to actually activate. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Oh, and a German team took control of a Tesla by hacking a third-party app, and I was like, wait a minute, Pwn to Own hasn't happened yet. <laughs> um, but apparently, this was you can control non like vehicle in motion functions. Yeah. Yet, but the the hack, as it was reported, um, it, it couldn't touch things like steering, acceleration, and braking. Yeah, but all the other cars, controls, door locking, and that kind of stuff. Yep, was fair game. I'm assuming that's some kind of. Does that mean there's a? Those are not sandboxed functions in the CAN bus that allows APIs between those different systems because I know the steering and and braking and stuff. Those are uh, isolated, isolated device functions. Uh, some of these other ones, like Unlock, is interesting because there's third-party apps that tie in. You can monitor your vehicle. Mm-hmm. You don't have an app mm-hmm. on your phone. Those obviously are in a different uh, security enclave <clears throat> and thus have API calls between all the functioning systems. So 
there's a lot of interesting things that aren't said in, in this article. Yeah, but most cars, you can start it from the app, too. So I'm assuming there's ways to bridge that bus. Yep. Like I so said, yeah. maybe this person's holding that particular exploit for Pwn to own. <laughs> it's going to drive away because now he can unlock it. you got to unlock it if you want to get in it and drive it away. I mean, that's what I would do. Right. Yep. Why would you tell anybody if you've got an exploit to take over Tesla's? Uh, and, but he would have to disclose that to Tesla. That would be, speaking with Dragos, right? That yeah. would be yeah, yep. responsibly disclosed. But you yep. get a Tesla out of the deal. Not a bad deal. No, no, not a bad deal. Especially if it's the what the Model S. Uh, he didn't say it was a Model S. This, he said uh, it was a Model Y and. I forget which one model. of the other models. It wasn't an S. Oh, I know. I was listening for that too. Damn. It was not an S. Still a Tesla, nonetheless. Still, it's a free. It's a yeah. free car. Know, a free car. Yeah. I know Unit eighty two hundred does not pay in Teslas, so <laughs> might be one. <laughs> but they pay in money, which you can use to buy a Tesla. So I mean, they do, they do pay in money, but then you're on their list as well. So that's another problem. True. <laughs> well, the NSO group reaches out after that point, and you're not on any lists after that. Mm-hmm. But we don't Ooh. talk about that. Wow. North Korean hackers stole... This is just a segment that's never going to end. because, Anyway, uh, North Korean hackers stole $400 million in crypto last year. My question is like... So how, how now it's only worth like 200 How accurate can that number be? And how did they derive that number? And how do you pretty truly... And pretty, pretty easily. Like there's five or six major companies, not inclu- including government's abilities and their analytics, but you can track every transaction and build a, a web and, and follow pretty much all the transactions to known wallets and or using other information and key indicators, you can tie wallets to organizations, resources, geolocations. So what you're saying, Tyler, is this number could be higher, not lower. Yes. Yeah, this is yeah, just as a matter of fact, wallet and following blockchain transactions, yep. uh, scrubbing services and and anonymizers like they trace it through all that. That's pretty pretty straightforward. So most of these are probably legitimate, which I thought that number actually was kind of small for a nation state, but it is North Korea, so their capabilities are kind of sloppy too. Yeah, but it could also be higher, I guess is my point in the reporting, right? Cuz the oh, yeah. wallets you don't know about, you don't you won't know about. Yeah, so but it's there's, likely there's, more. No, there's no analytics or there's no um, indicators or metadata for, for those particular wallets. And yeah, there's nothing you can really correlate. Yeah, like if they went through a different group with a different wallet and series of transactions that they couldn't tie back, that would be revenue that they weren't accounting for. Yeah, and, again, and the remember they, as well. They that, were able to do this means that they're even more sloppy than we already know that they are. So Interesting. I remember as well that most uh, legitimate exchanges have a, a blacklist of, of coins and wallets so that if, if they see a coin that they know was stolen, they won't allow it to be traded on their exchange. Mm. Yep. So and it's still, I mean, what's that? So those are just the exchanges. So yeah, those, I mean, those aren't valid in any of the exchanges, but then you get washing services and even then you're still following it, right? There's still valid transactions. That's the great thing about Blockchain, the blockchain right? it's all public. All yeah. transactions are traceable and or readable by everybody. So you will always be able to follow the money. It's whether or not you can figure out from the metadata or from other intelligence what that money ends up at at the endpoint. Do you know what that wallet is? Do you know where it ended? Do you understand the different groups? You can 
correlate a lot of things, even the affiliate network for ransomware, right? Like we see each of the affiliates taking their cut as we follow the trail and you see it get washed. Then you see those ones wash and you can get a percentage. You actually know how much they get paid at the end of all this because all the transactions are recorded. Mm. You see the inputs so, and the outputs. Yep. It's, it's pretty hard to get to the anonymous place. It takes a fair amount of effort um, off, off chain um, exchanges. In fact, not even exchanges. You're, you're talking about going to non-distributed networks and having offline cold wallets that don't do anything and are very specific uses that get moved. So it's not easy to do. But interesting how they said that <clears throat> this was stolen cryptocurrency, not necessarily something that was part of a transaction, right? In other words, like a North Korea is going to do some service and they're going to get paid in cryptocurrency or whatever. So yeah, still, I think that number was low, right? There was all that, the the stuff that they were doing with the uh, ransom and then they had, what was it, some crypto stealing extensions in Chrome. There was a few campaigns that they were, they were going directly after crypto and, and had some uh, quick burn exploits that they used for, for those particular campaigns to get funding is what it, what it seemed like. And I mean, whether or not they were able to use those coins is also interesting. Like, like that's Josh what I was going to say. Yeah. How do they then, how do they then you, all right. So you got $400 million <laughs> across how many wallets in different cryptocurrency conceivably, how do you utilize that to uh, support your dictatorship? You take a, a 10 to one hit and use a, a service that has a way to take that crypto to fiat and monetize on it outside of yep. exchanges controlled by regulatory bodies. And then you're you know, losing, losing that 90%. Mm. So that's probably what they did. Gotcha. So the, the, the deal is, is that laundering money in, in fiat terms, regular money terms, is that you know who's doing it, but you don't know how they're laundering the money. Uh, you don't know where the money is. In blockchain terms, it's exactly the opposite. You know exactly where the money is. You just might not know who's doing it. Mm. So that's, that's literally the way I got um, the American Society of Certified Anti-Money Laundering Specialists to understand it. And with this case, the only way to, to launder that money appropriately is to sell it for fiat, like at a local bitcoins type thing. Uh, so you're you're losing, as as Tyler said, a hell of a lot of value, and then put it back into crypto to move it across borders or leave it in fiat, whatever you want. But you're losing a lot. You'd lose what? What do you think, Tyler? Like honestly, I, I don't I don't know if it'd be ninety percent, but I'm I'm I, you'd lose at least forty to fifty percent just because you have to do it in smaller sums and through every kind of local Bitcoin and Bitcoin back alley, right? To scrub it, to scrub it enough for what they're probably trying to do. If you scrubbed it twice, you'd be. Oh yeah, then you're losing ninety. You're right. 60%. Okay. Yeah, yeah I would say 60, sixty to eighty. Yeah, you're right. If you have to scrub it twice, it's it just oh my even god. In crypto and then like using it in crypto for you know purchases like other altcoins or NFTs, leveraging it to buy physical goods on other markets where you know you're not leveraging an exchange. You're doing a a crypto to physical. Um, Purchase and payment. There's a lot of services that are doing that on the dark web and, and criminal organizations using those. So, money laundering, even now, is uh, anonymity is not is not trivial or easy to do. Mm. So, interesting. You notice that Joff's been very quiet about yeah. the whole money laundering thing. <laughs> it's not it's not anything to do with money laundering. It's got to do with me, you know, 
actually kind of working here at the same time. <laughs> well, see, I thought you. Well, yeah, working at money laundering. You just want to give up all your secrets. Oh yeah, that's what it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> double washing it. He's busy double washing it. It's all that double regexes, right? Double regexing my money. That's right. <laughs> Alrighty. <sighs> what do you say? I snuck in a lot of. Just when we thought we were done, I snuck in another story. Yeah, so did that milkman. I don't know if I can. <laughs> can I do that again? Organizations face a losing battle against vulnerabilities. We talked about that. We talked about vulnerabilities. We anyway. talk about vulnerabilities every week. Every oh. week. Alrighty. What do you say we cut to the next segment? We get another segment. It's Sounds pre recorded. Like Sounds like a plan. Hey, come right back out. with a technical segment. Stay tuned. <laughs> 